So we're going to get into our first review. So The Sandman. Sandman, um, uh, you have a TV show now on Netflix, The Sandman, which is based off of Neil Gaiman's work, uh, the comic book, um, which is very much kind of somewhat based in the DC universe. You even have some characters here um, from the DC universe, like who's played by David Thewlis, who plays John D., who's Dr. Destiny, uh, who's a villain of the Justice League. But here it's kind of a more self-contained story um, involving uh, Dream, uh, also known as Morpheus. Um, here, also known as the Sandman. He's got a lot of uh, AKAs here going on, got a lot of nicknames. <laughs> uh, but uh, here you have that character here who, um, after being imprisoned by a mortal wizard, an asshole wizard, I should say, uh, by Charles Dance, uh, who people might know, he was... Uh, who else? Uh, Tywin Lannister, uh, for people who might know him from that, in yeah. Game of Thrones. Um, here he uh, is again playing another asshole father figure um, who wants to bring his dead son back um, and cast a spell to do so, bringing the personification of death. He's trying to get them, but accidentally uh, messed up there, you know, said, said lunch instead of launch and got Dream, uh, the personification there <laughs> of Dream um, there. Um, and he was in prison for 106 years um, after breaking out. He has to set things back in order, his realm. Um, you know, a lot can happen over the 106 years that the personification of Dream has been missing. So you see a lot of him try to put things back in order uh, throughout this 10-episode uh, first season. Um, now, I've never read the comic uh, myself. That's why I have Jordan here, um, who, like you said, is a big fan of it. Um, and from what I understand, it is very close. It is a very much of a one-in-one -one adaptation of the source material. Um, Jordan, could you speak to that? Yeah, nearly. There are some narrative changes. Uh, but, they, but the narrative changes actually help. It really does, like, mainly the framing, because, as you mentioned, yes, uh, Charles Dance playing Roderick Burgess, a.k.a. the Magus, uh, he and a colleague want to capture Death to bring back their sons who'd perished in World War One. They want to get Death, but they accidentally get Dream, and... But Dream in the comic was just minding his own business, taking care of the Dreaming. In the show, he was trying to stop one of his nightmares that he created. The Corinthian, played very charmingly by Boyd Holbrook. Mm. And uh, some of the and yeah, some of the some of the other changes, like yeah, they got they had to excise many of the. DC connections because in the comics where John D, Dr. Destiny was being held when his mother came to visit was Arkham Asylum. There was direct references to the Justice League and Martian Manhunter. Now this was before the Sandman comic went on to DC's much beloved and missed vertical imprint in fact the last 29 issues of the sandman were published under the vertical imprint when that started uh but yeah wh what this season essentially adapted was the first two trades volume one preludes and 
Nocturnes, and Volume 2, The Doll's House. So essentially mm -hmm. you get about the first 20 or so issues. Mm. Okay, it's very interesting. Um, and but yeah, more or less, it is it is a pretty direct adaptation, aside from like little small narrative changes. Oh, I I misspoke. The first sixteen issues, more or less. Mm. Okay, very interesting. Um, so that's very interesting to kind of know that knowledge of how closely it does kind of follow the source material. And you mentioned, you know what I mean? You have some small narrative changes. Um, and I want to also get your opinion on some of the casting choices here. Um, because you mentioned, you know, some people might, uh, might say that it's not that close to the source material because you got a lot of swapping going on here. Uh, got a lot of race swapping, got a lot of gender swapping, got a lot of, uh, people swapping, yeah. uh, show swapping, uh, you know, whatever swapping <laughs> you kind of want to bring in there, uh, swamp swapping, um. You know, kind of in, in this show kind of going on here. Uh, yeah. Most notably, you have Death here in the show who was known as like a big goth icon, you know, known for very the pale. Oh, ma like major, that. major manic pixie dream girl for a mm. lot of nerds back then. Although I did like to joke, it's like, you, you know, this, you know, the Sandman is a perfect analogy for being trans because growing up. I wanted to be like Dream of the Endless. But then I realized I'd be better off being Deaf of the Endless. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. And Deaf here is played by Kirby Howe Baptiste, who fucking nails it. Yeah. And I've liked her when she was on. I just recently saw her on Barry. I've been binging that show, and she's on that. Um, and she's very good on that. And she's also on The Good Place. She shows up like the last, I think, few seasons of that show. Um, she's also very good on that as well. Ye yes, and she was in season four of Veronica Mars. Oh, okay. Uh -uh. I gotta go watch that show again. I forgot about that. Um, yeah. Um, who she hears is death, and they have a great episode, by the way. Um, like it, it feels like towards the middle of this season. Um, like it, I think it, it, it's, it's kind of slow, maybe in the beginning. I think maybe for the maybe first couple episodes, but I think towards the middle when it gets into like especially episode the twenty four seven episode was episode five if I remember correctly, right? Yes, and that was issue number six of the that's it that that episode essentially combines episode I mean issues six and seven because the confrontation between uh, Morpheus. And Doctor Destiny happens in issue seven, but the twenty-four hour diner stuff that majorly happens in the sixth issue, which was one of the first issues that really hooked me in. Like the Sandman is a comic that did change my life because it it was the first comic that really showed me there was more to it outside of the superhero genre. Mm. And I did read it mainly because of its connections to DC, but it's like, it's so otherworldly, and it's also what introduced me to Neil Gaiman, and he became such a major influence on my own writing. Like, my favorite written novel of all time is American Gods. Mm, yeah, which, uh, that show is on HBO, too. They have a sh another adaptation of his work. It's on HBO. No, that was on Stars. Oh, it was on Stars. Okay. 
Um, I hear great things about it. I've been meaning to check it out. Is it very good, American Gods? I mean, it's... Yeah, it starts off good. Okay. Mm. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. <clears throat> but, yeah, and, af and after that, like, you bring up the 24-hour diner episode, like, that is as horrifying as it was in the comics. Yes. Yeah. That's amazing. It was, like... Yeah. It really is. It, it like the it was it was one of the first scary comics I read. Like the Sandman eventually more becomes like fantasy like, but it still retains some of its horror. But that twenty four hour diner like that is one of the scariest, like the first scary comic I ever read, and it left an impact on me. Mm, yeah. Um, and what happens in that episode, so you have a character who kind of shows up as a villain in this, like I said, uh, David Thewlis, who's John D. Um, and, you know, when the Sandman was captured, different items of his were also taken, like his mask, he had that, you know, uh, that kind of gas his mask. Helm. Um, his helm. Yeah, his helm. And then also his, like his ruby, which he uses as well uh, as part of his power with the dreaming. Um, and, you know, that kind of got passed down amongst the family that he, you know, that, you know, took him and it got into the hands of David Thewlis and the, with the kind of the, what Ruby's able to do is kind of unleash the truths of people. So while he's in this diner, he's all about, you know, helping people be free by helping release their truth. And when you see that episode of like how it progressively just gets worse and worse and worse, it's like the tension of that episode is like, damn, it's like very good, especially the performance by David Thewlis is amazing, who people might know David Thewlis. He was Professor Lupin in, in the Harry Potter series. Um, there's a lot of really great performances here. I mean, you mentioned uh, Kirby, uh, who plays Death, who's one of um, the seven endless um, as well. That's his sibling sister. You also see people like Desire and Despair, who also uh, are part of the endless, the seven kind of personifications there. Um, what did you think about the lead Tom Sturgis as Dream? I loved him. He okay. that see this is one of my this casting is perfect. Minus Patton Oswald, I'll explain in a moment. But the casting, like, you gotta understand, the Sandman for such a long time, there were rumors of an adaptation, be it TV or film. Although honestly, you cannot do this as a movie; it is too dense. There are, there's a reason there are uh, annotated editions of the Sandman with all its literary references. And such. So, I, I, I used to joke. It's like I'll believe there is an adaptation of the Sandman when I see a trailer for it. Then mm. I saw the trailer, and I can't do that joke anymore. <laughs> so I'll, that that's out of my back pocket. But the casting, Tom Sturgis is amazing. He really captured. Morpheus. He really did. Like he he's someone that got disconnected from humanity and essentially is trying to reconnect and such. But uh just the casting is perfect across the board. Mm. From you know, Tom Sturgis, uh Jenna Coleman, Gwendolyn Christie, Boyd Holbrook, Kirby. Again, my again, I say my only problem is Patton Oswald. I love Patton Oswald, but Everyone is so, everyone just so captures their character and 
envel and envelopes them and they become that. Then you just have this talking raven that just sounds like Patton Oswald. Mm. Kinda yeah. kinda kinda took it kinda took me out a little bit. Did you also feel the way about Marvin the pumpkin who's voiced by uh Mark Hamill? No, honestly, I didn't feel that way. I mean, I knew ahead of time it was Mark Hamill, but honestly, it it blended in just as nicely. Mm. It's just like, look, Mark Hamill was doing some afflections with his voice. He's being a little more gravelly. And so Patton Oswald was just sounding like Patton Oswald. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and he seems like you know, he's doing a little bit of more voice work these days, Patton Oswalt, because he's also Modoc in the Hulu series. Um, I forgot there was something else that he just oh, he was he was the voice of um, the Deep's Dick, wasn't he? And the boys as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so he seems like he's doing a lot more uh, voice work now these days, but you know, usually when I hear his voice work, it's like because Patton Oswalt has a very distinctive voice already. Um, so I guess absolutely. You know, I guess it's like, yeah, I'll just show up. I'll just do kind of Pat Oswalt stuff. Um, yeah, I could kind of see your and point. And sometimes about I don't. Oh, yeah, sorry. sometimes I don't mind. But here, it just, like, really took me out. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I can kind of see your point about the Raven, uh, who's voiced by Pat Oswalt there, who's Matthew, uh, Matthew the Raven. Um, I can kind of see your point there. Uh, Marvin, the pumpkin who's voiced by Mark Hamill. I, it feels like sometimes, you know, when you, especially when you have an episode like the 24, you know, seven episode in the diner, then you kind of, you know, go to this with the, the pumpkin and everything like that. It's like, eh, I, I don't know if it all kind of maybe fits, but I think, I think it, it doesn't really take me out too much, uh, of it. Um, when they kind of, when you see, you know, dreams world, you know, where he's go to his realm of the dreaming as they call it. Um, you could kind of see the budget there kind of, I think, cause when they're standing there, you can kind of see the effect, like, okay, they're standing in front of a green screen. You can kind of see that a little bit there. Um, but there are still some really well done shots. Like I love the shot where you see Matthew the Raven, like go through the painting. I thought that was a great transition. And when he ends up into the house, I thought that was really good. They do some good effects stuff here. Um, that um, that works really well. well. And, and, and what I also like about it, it really, really puts you, puts you into this world. Um, it really, really kind of drops you in without, you know, it, you know, it, it, it does a great it job of kind of the world's been setting up all these things where you meet characters like Lucifer, like Gwen and Christie, who is, you know, looks amazing there, you know what I mean? Who, you know, has the wings and then the outfit looks really, really fantastic as Lucifer. Again, Hell doesn't really all look the best you know what i mean all that much but i think it, it it's effective enough um then you have uh, a, oh yeah i gotta say gwendolyn christie as lucifer morningstar was one of my personal favorite highlights i i may have a predilection for taller women who could mm, kill me <laughs> so that that helped but uh also just her performance was so good like they like that fight that totally unique fight where they just say you know how you know the concepts you know of what they are that was what it was in the comic and uh i kind of fangirled a little bit thing is like oh my god i'm actually seeing this happening mm -hmm. because again i just never thought this adaptation would ever happen that it would get off the ground somehow 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think it does a very good job at really, you know what I mean, explaining this world and everything that kind of goes into it, um, especially when you have other characters like Joanna Constantine, um, who is a gender-bent version of John Constantine, who people know from the DC Comics. Um, and it's funny, it's you know going a little bit back to Lucifer. It's funny because there was conversation as bringing the guy who's Lucifer in the show, who used to be Lucifer in the show, back. Tom Ellis. Yeah, there was kind of conversation of that at first to bring him back. Um, as the character um he's and he's also appeared like i think he appeared in dc legends of tomorrow crisis on infinite earths yeah he in the cw stuff. yeah yeah in the Arrowverse. uh i did enjoy the lucifer show i actually still need to see the final season to be honest but that was primarily based on lucifer's own spinoff comic which i did really like but the lucifer show was its own thing, and I enjoyed it as that. Mm. Although, like I said, it, it pro I will say I'm glad they got Gwendolyn Christie because if they had gotten Tom Ellis, I it kind of would have it would have taken me out just a little bit because I wasn't sure if they'd be because in the comics it is very clear his visual model, his inspiration is that it's David Bowie. And I'm a big fan of that, because Bowie is God to me. He's my favorite musician of all time. But, really, you gotta get someone else. And, honestly, Gwendolyn Christie was a great fit. She she was, indeed, devilishly charming in this role, and played so well off of Tom Sturgis. Hmm. Yeah, and they have a great episode yeah. where they you know fight each other, but it's not like a physical fight, it's like this... I don't know what to call like a mental battle, I guess. Um, you know, uh, something. I don't know how it is in the comic, but it's like in the show. They oh, it's exactly it. like that. Okay. It's exactly like that. Okay. Yeah. I, I thought it was very interesting. I thought that was kind of very interesting. Um, but in that same yeah, vein. Is... Oh, you, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Oh, um, I was going to say in that same vein of the, them trying to maybe get Tom Ellis to come back as Lucifer, um, there was also, I think, uh, you know, having the gender-bent version of, you know, a John Constantine, and you had the character, like, uh, uh, who's played him in numerous different things, Matt Ryan, I believe is his name, the guy who also plays Constantine in the yeah. Arrowverse, um, who I think, you know, for a CW version of Constantine does a pretty good job. Um, as a character, he's he's voiced the character in, in some DC animated stuff. Yeah, and, you know, he had that criminally underrated uh, solo series on NBC that got unjustly canceled. After, like, what, one season, I think. Um, yeah, 13 episodes straight. Yeah. Um, here you have Jenna Coleman, who people might know. She was the companion in Doctor Who. Um, here as Joanna Constantine. Clara. Um, how did you feel about her um, as the character? Well, uh, I should say, given the comic and how this goes, Constantine, and oh, she was an amazing highlight. Mm. She was incredible. I loved her. She, it's made very clear that she is a descendant of John Constantine, and really, she picked up all all his bad traits. Like it is a. It is honestly a running joke in comics that there are two things you shouldn't do. It's one, sleep with Matt Murdock. Your life's gonna go to fucking hell. And two, don't be friends with John Constantine. You might literally go to hell. 
<laughs> so, uh, and her story is actually very much like John's was in the Sandman comics, although, albeit, you know, more lesbian-like, which I appreciate. So, I really love Jenna Coleman. Uh, she really embodied the spirit of that character and completely made it her own. She really sunk her teeth into it and was a captivating presence any time she was on screen. Mm. Um, For me, with Jenna Coleman, I mean... You know, first of all, she's very stylish. Like when she had her like white coat on and everything like that, I thought that was pretty great. I thought she was pretty stylish there. Uh, but you know, Jenica has such a sweet face, and you know what I mean. And it's kind of like you know, she's you know supposed to be this character. I think of when I think of Constantine or Constantine, however you want to say it, of being somebody that really is grizzled. You know, being this this demon hunter, this demon kind of slayer. And it was I don't think that her having that just type of look maybe worked all that much, but I still thought it was very different from what I've normally seen Jenna Coleman play. Cause I've mostly, I've seen her just basically play the companion, this kind of like naive kind of you know, adventure traveler with kind of in, in, in Dr. Who. So it was a very different change of pace to have her here play jo Joanna Constantine. Um, that I, I think was, was pretty good. Um, and I still thought, you know, some of the elements were like, you still see she's, you know, any Constantine is bad at relationships. Um, you see, like that's just a constant thing that's going to happen. That, yeah, that that that's just my, that just has to be a hereditary gene in that fucking family. Yeah, I, I mean, just yeah, you're just going to be just destined to have fucked up relationships. Well, yeah. Um, well, that and chain smoking. Yeah, which uh, she didn't she didn't smoke in this, did she? or uh, she just not I think... that I recall, but it. Yeah. Look. Yeah, look, there's gonna be, look, if you're a Constantine, you're gonna, or you're, you're gonna have a hereditary compensation for shit relationships, alcohol addiction, chain smoking. Yeah. You either get all of those or one of those habits. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So just, just pick your poison. Um. Or where you're gonna gonna have there if you're born. Um. And you yeah. got no choice. <laughs> Um, and, you know, I, you know, seeing kind of also the different stuff, um, in the dreaming world, uh, like the librarian character who's, uh, Lucian, um, I like their relationship. I liked, um, the relationship, uh, that they had with, uh, dreamer, a uh, dream, um, I thought was, uh, pretty good. And you can see that this, there's a long history there and Lucian who also, you know, they are the one that kind of took, you know, control when dream was off being in prison for all those hundred years. Yeah. And most people scattered, and they're like, oh, well, I guess the guy's not coming back, or he's dead, or whatever. Like, okay, you know, kind of, I'm going to go do my own thing. And she was the one really holding holding it down. Um, you know, and you kind of see now that he's back and trying to settle back into things, and you kind of see that relationship develop. I thought that was really good. Um, you know, and with Rose Walker character, who's voiced by, uh, oh, I mean, who's not voiced, who's uh, performed by Vanessa uh, Samue. Semye, um, I hope I'm saying it right. I'm not, That's Lucian. Uh, no, Lucian is Vivian. Uh, uh, Akampon. Yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah, and that's about as good as I'm gonna do. And Kyle Ra played Rose Walker. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, Cal, uh, yeah, played that uh, Rose Walker. 
Um, what did you think about Rose Walker in this? And is is that a very similar kind of performance with the comic there? Yes, because I was curious with <clears throat> how fast it was going through the first trade. It's like, what's the second half of this season going to be? And... Well, it's in the doll's house. It, it 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 leads up and ends with another one of those issues that sticks with me from the comics. The serial killers convention. Hmm. Yeah. Which in the which just like which both in the show and comic is given the nom de plume of being a serial convention. But you know they're they 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 call themselves oh we we are collectors we are avid collectors oh yeah what do you collect that's not important right now mm. so yeah it, her story was always going to tie into the Corinthians because uh, she is on the search for her missing brother Jed played here by Eddie Karananja that's the best pronunciation I'm going to be able to do. But, and <clears throat> here they do change that up a bit uh, with uh, their backstory of foster parents and such. So, uh, but it all ties into our antagonist of this series, the Corinthian, played by Boyd Holbrook, who is as charmingly horrifying as I imagined he would be. Mm. Yeah. yeah. A very, very good performance by him. Um, also, he has something that really freaks me out with, with things like, you know, he's got the teeth for eyes that like teeth replacing certain body parts or things that really freaks me out. I do not, I do not like that at all. Um, well, again, it's, it, it, he, he's a representation of Morpheus's own hubris because he is a nightmare that Morpheus did create and essentially like more so in the comics he was just trying to be like am I making you proud daddy it was it gave very much big senpai notice me energy mm. uh, to put it lightly but here it's just like Ooh, I'm going to play with all my new favorite things that I get to play with. Mm, interesting. Um, is there any kind of like weak episode for you here in this in, in the 10 episodes or? Uh, I'm trying to think if I had to pick one, I think. I think it would be uh, episode seven, which is titled the doll's house i think that like i don't want to say it's the weakest it i'll just say it's like my least favorite episode hmm. okay. <laughs> but really on the whole it's uh i really did enjoy this series it is a again i never thought i would actually get an adaptation of the sandman much less an adaptation that was this good and fateful in many ways, to the source material, it was really incredible what they had done. Like, the again, I can you can tell and feel how much love Neil Gaiman put into this. Although I did read like 
he wanted to have more involvement here than he did with American Gods, but a little less than what he did with Good Omens on Amazon. So finding a nice middle ground there. And I think whatever, and, and I think uh, he found it perfectly because this show has his fingerprints all over it, but it is very much its own thing in a lot of ways. Mm. I hear Good Omens is pretty good. I hear that show is pretty good on Amazon. Uh, with Michael oh, Shannon it is. Oh, that is, that is a fantastic adaptation. Hmm. Okay, I have to check it out uh, sometime. But that was yeah. But that was him and Terry Pratchett mm. that wrote that. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, The Sandman. I really loved it. I know. I will say one episode I did particularly like was. Death's episode, which was the sound of her wings, because it also leads to one of my favorite stories in the comics, which is how every hundred or so years, Morpheus will meet up with, <coughs> excuse me, Hob, Hob Galding. Mm. Yeah, and I love that episode too. The uh, like every year you met up with the person who. Uh, they just allowed to live. They're like, I'll make a bet, you know, let this person live, and they're going to be hating life by the end of it. And, and that was a great episode to see how that episode, you know, it kind of evolved with that character. Um, I thought it was very Yeah, and, and that episode was a great adaptation of Dev's first appearance. Like, that like their scene in the park, and especially her uh, speech about him being the most self-absorbed uh personification of a entity possible is like lifted right from the comics but what i really did love was the montage that of morpheus just going along with her as she does her job and kind of just seeing the people's reaction to realizing oh do i know oh shit you're deaf and some of it's like beautifully melaconic melaconic god damn it yeah i'm a writer i should know words melaconic uh, you know what i'm getting at <laughs> uh <laughs> so it, it, and like some of it's even heartbreaking it's it's it, it's really wonderful i uh, i really found this to be an enjoyable enjoyable watch it honestly makes me want to reread the comics like all 75 issues and i hope this gets more seasons because i would really love to see what they do with the next two books uh dream country and especially seasons of miss or season of miss so let's say netflix doesn't fuck up and cancel it after a season um how long it, could this go on season i i honestly honestly if you if if you were to ask me before i even saw any of this i would have thought oh, they'll be lucky to get to uh the seventh trade but now i'm thinking you can go all the way with this you can probably get all 75 issues adapted here and again this was a 10 episode season and they got through the first 16 issues mm. okay so roughly what 
five seasons. It probably could get through all the material five, six, six seasons. Probably. Mm. Or six. Hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, and you already stated your favorite episode was the episode with death. And uh, you looked at kind of the episode where he was the hundred year meeting episode as well. Um, yeah, I would yeah. say those are some of my favorite episodes as well as also as I talked about the diner episode. I love that episode. That uh, that really is a big standout for me. Um, and you know, as as yeah, I would love to see a second season with this show. Love the performances in this show. Uh, Tom Sturr, who's you know in a difficult position, being a character who is very stoic, but the times we you know I mean kind of dry, but he does show kind of some you know, little emotion that kind of comes glimmers through a little bit i think you know, yeah it even more special um you know and uh, you know boyd holbrook who did a good job as a corinthian i thought was really great um as a villain character uh you know yeah i mean you have a lot of really great performances in here throughout i think that really made this um and if they do a season two i would love to see more of desire i'd love to see more of that character uh if they oh mason Ale yeah mason alexander as desire so wonderful and they are very and they are that very androgynous in the comic in fact like the the sandman comic was kind of like one of my first exposures to someone being gender non-conforming you know transgender gender fluid mm -hmm. uh gender queer non-binary and in the comics they did uh they, they they switch between like going with the between they them pronouns or it its pronouns. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I heard. About Although that. since uh 2017, Neil Gaiman decided to say like no, Desire's pronouns are definitely they them. But yeah, Mason Alexander, who is a you know who is a non-binary character themselves. Knocked it out of fucking park. I found them to be exceptionally wonderful, especially of how they played off Tom Sturgis. Who, yes, I was. I was honestly worried about the most because I thought you can cast so many good people in the other roles, but with Tom's, but with Morpheus, you have to find someone stoic who can be a bit emotionless. But again, like like I told you, it's. Uh, it's about Morpheus losing his humanity by being captured and then slowly regaining his humanity, and he perfectly conveys that so well. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'd love to see more of uh, uh, Desire that coming in. For some reason, the performance reminded me a lot of uh, the the villain from the Powerpuff Girls. Uh, uh, what was that villain's name? Him. Him, yeah, very much reminded me a lot of that. For some, I was like, yeah, it surprised me a lot. Just the way he was moving, um, and everything like that, it just reminded me a lot of that. Um, yeah, uh, I I say recommend checking it out. Seems like people are really loving this, enjoying it. Um, you know, fans, critics alike, um, seems to be a crowd pleaser. Um, so uh, you want to give your final rating for it? Our rating system. So our highest is this is cinema. That's the highest you can give something. Then we have a tune in, mm -hmm. tune out. Skip it, burn it, and waste a fucking film is our lowest rating. Um, so, uh, I will correct you. Uh, desire goes by they them pronouns, so it would be oh, like right. the way they moved around. It, yeah, 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 no problem. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go right to this as cinema. 
It just fucking is. The value, the production value is amazing. I never thought I would see the dreaming so perfectly rendered and realized. And it's one of the most captivating things I've seen all year. This is mm. cinema. The performances, the casting, the writing. It's it's great. This is a wonderful adaptation. I, I would highly recommend to any fans of the Sandman comics that are hesitant, that are worried, don't be. Just plunge right in. It's worth it. It is exciting. Mm. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I would go... Am I gonna go? This is cinema. I don't know. I'm I'm thinking about whether the Sandman is like one of the better comic book properties I've seen on TV. Like stuff up there with like Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Watchmen, um, Peacemaker. Invincible. I'd say it's up there. It's not the best, but it's it's up there. It is up there. I think it is up there. I think yeah, it, it definitely is up there. I would go with a for now. I'll go with a strong tune in for me. Uh uh, I won't go there cinema, Fair. but I, I'll go strong tune in uh, just for some minor issues and things like that. Um, but yeah, overall, I think it's a very strong show. Um, if you all want to check it out, I highly recommend. If you still have Netflix, um, you know, to you people who do, um, hey, but, you, get, you know, yeah. mean, hey, get, get something to watch on there. Uh, got something to watch. Um, all right, that was the Sandman. <laughs>